0: Okay. Well. Welcome to Commas.
1: Commas is all things tech. You culture and
0: technology coming together.
1: Life hacks. The practicality right now in the inefficiency of the internet of buying and selling stuff is extraordinary. Entrepreneurship advice.
0: I think the first thing is you got to understand your business inside out. Love and tech. I've almost reduced dating to kind of this very momentary snap of a person. It's going to be a fire show. I have yet to see something these days that's truly differentiated. New advice and new inspiration every show.
1: It really is about the next generation of creators going faster, further than we did. And now,
0: Sequoia Blodgett. Now let's start stacking them commas. Hey, what's up? It's your girl Sequoia live at the TechCrunch Disrupt Conference. I'm here with Mac, the VC. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. It's it's a pleasure to be here with you, Sequoia. That is a very uh, interesting name to have to be here at TechCrunch Disrupt. <laughs>
0: every it's a weird name because everybody's like oh sequoia capital and i'm like no i don't work for sequoia i'm sorry i hate to disappoint you maybe one day there I, no, I'm, over there. yeah i'm fine though i don't need to be a sequoia <laughs> capital <laughs> so mac okay uh, we were walking up here you guys and everybody was stopping him and i'm like we have places to go and things to record we don't have time for this so you are very popular tell us why what's your background
1: uh my background is not why I'm popular, but I'll go. <laughs> so, so, so my background is I'm a, I'm a software engineer by trade, uh, two time founder, one exit, one failure because. Having a startup is hard. Yeah. Um, and then I went into venture. I started off working for the investment arm of the state of Maryland before launching Rare Breed Ventures in 2020. And the reason why I'm popular is I raised my first fund off of Twitter. That's what I was telling everybody. They were like, really? So wait, we have so many things to discuss. So
0: how did this happen? By accident. Okay.
1: Um, so after the killing of George Floyd, I had a bunch of things on my head. So I started tweeting. And then I just decided, oh, I'm going to tweet every, I'm just continuously tweet. I'm going to tweet every day. See what happens. Okay. Um, as I was tweeting, I met a founder in Dallas, Texas. I wanted to support. He was a Latin founder, wasn't getting any support. So I was like, all right, I can work with him. Went to one of my advisors and they were like, yeah, I want to invest in this company. I want to invest in every company you find. Here's 250 grand. Go start a fund. And I was like, it's the pandemic, protests in the streets. I don't know if this is time." he's like, yo, you should do this. I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to do this. So I went kicking and screaming. And then I realized I didn't know how to raise a fund. <laughs> okay, so what happened? <laughs> well, because of the tweeting, I noticed other VCs were following me. And so I was like, mm. okay, I need to learn. So if I see a VC follow me, I'm going to send them a DM just to meet and just to, just to learn. And within my first 20, 25 meetings, I met Elizabeth Yin from Hustle Fund. Okay. And at the end of our first conversation, she committed 10K to my fund. And I was like, oh, the more I tweet, the more people follow me, more people follow me, more meetings, more meetings, more money.
0: That's what I've been trying to explain to people. Building your personal brand is so imperative. So you met Elizabeth. What made her so enamored by you to say, "Hey, here's ten thousand dollars. I don't know you, but I hope it works."
1: I think it's because I'm dope. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think this. No, uh, honestly, what it was was. When you look at Hustle Fun and Rare Breed, our strategies are actually very similar. Ah. And so I think for her, it was a chance to to build a relationship and professionalize it where I'd be able to get deal full that I might be able to send to them where we could do deals together, which we have done. Um, but it was also like the sparking of me doing like the most ridiculous thing I've ever done. Which is? Uh, I had 1,128 meetings in 90 days. Huh? Explain. Well, when I started... Having people follow me on Twitter and start sending people DMs, like 80% of all the VCs I reached out to just put time on my calendar. And so my calendar filled up really quickly. And I was for from the middle of June to the middle of September of 2020, I had 1,100 meetings.
0: So let's back up. What did you say to these VCs for them to be so interested? Because VCs are getting pitched all the time. So why were they all ready to jump on your calendar versus anybody else's?
1: Well, see, this is unfair because, like, as an investor – You're always willing to take a meeting with another investor because you're looking for deal flow. True. So I was just telling them like, hey, my name is Mac. I work for the state of Maryland. I'm thinking about doing my own thing. would love to have fun, find some time and learn more about you. That was it.
0: Cool. So, OK, you went through the process of getting all these VCs interested. Yes. Did you was there a check size that you said, hey, you need to come in with a certain amount of money for us to want to invest. Yeah. OK, so what was that check size? Ten thousand. Ten thousand. OK, that's not bad for an LP.
1: Yeah. So that was the other thing. Um, typically, you know, in the typical trad- a traditional venture fund, you can have no more than 100 investors, 100 LPs. OK, but there is there was a new law in the books where if you were raising 10 million or less, you could have up to 250. Mm -hmm. And so I did the math that like if I offered a bunch of small checks up front, I could build momentum. So that's how I end up with 194 LPs in my fund one.
0: Jesus, that is a lot of people. It's a lot of access. So how did you get them? Because, okay, just so you guys know, when you're raising a fund, there's usually a thesis around that fund. People are very excited to invest in a certain vertical. So what was your thesis for your fund? Everything early. (laughs) That is so broad. You're like anything and everything early. I don't care what it is. I don't tell me more about
1: that. So uh, I'm we're early stage pre seed seed investor. Okay, uh, but we're industry agnostic. The only industry that we don't touch is bio because like I don't have a PhD. I'm not smart enough for that. But we'll literally do just about anything else. But the two things we care about that we look for are. We look for if you're a software company, a clearly a repeatable uh, customer acquisition strategy. Yep. Or if you're a physical product, we like physical products and consumer markets that have lacked innovation for ten or more years. And that's that was really specific because the reason why I started a fund is because I wanted to start a fund. Okay. I never wanted to own my own venture fund. Okay. My job was to like break into VC, join a big fund and get rich. Like that's that's the goal, right? But um, I met this black woman out of Baltimore by the name of Shauna Smith Jones. Who told me she wanted to create a wig dryer that would dry a wig in 15 minutes with no heat. That's interesting. It's very interesting. And as I looked into it and I looked into the market, there is no such thing as a wig dryer. Mm. There, there, there's, there's literally nothing. And here's this woman really passionate about a, a, a very large market. And I watched her for three years. get nothing but nose.
0: Okay. And
1: to the point where she decided the only way she could access the capital was to become a surrogate mother.
0: This woman gave birth
1: to twins for a nominal amount of money just so she could start building her company.
0: That's deep.
1: That's too deep.
0: Yeah, I'm not giving you my inner loins to build my company but I understand so but how did you get your LPs to be okay with that are you just were they just like okay we trust you and so by way of us trusting you we'll let you deploy our capital however you feel necessary
1: hundred percent it was this is the strategy and these are the type of investors I'm going to invest in so either you're with it or you're not Mm. so you know I literally quit my job and started a fund so I could fund Shauna Wow. And to date, uh, rare brief on one, we've invested in 46 companies. Okay. And it's probably one of the most diverse portfolios you'll ever see. We have 46 companies and 30 over 30 plus verticals from 17 states and four countries and all ethnicity, races, genders, what have you. Any exits? No exits. We invest too so early. early yeah, you too early.
0: Okay. So are you raising another fund or were you where are you in the process?
1: Technically, I normally wouldn't be able to say anything. That's true. I'm, I'm so fund, sorry. But, the SEC. We are a 506C fund. So okay. We are allowed to publicly solicit. So, yes, we are raising fund, too, currently.
0: Okay, cool. Okay. So, how did you decide that this was where you wanted to go? Like, what gave you the, basically, inclination to say, all right, this is Doubling down on VC, because I started a syndicate versus a fund. So why did you go fund versus syndicate? And I've seen a lot of that with that model, right? Like yeah. M13, the venture capital firm I used to work for, they started out as a syndicate first and then gradually started to raise a fund. So why did you say,
1: forget the syndicate, let's just go all in? I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I was smart enough to think about doing the syndicate <laughs> first. I, I Like, I understood how to build a fund and what it, mean to, what it meant to have a fund. and. Really, the reason why I started a fund is because I needed full autonomy. Okay. If I was going to invest in founders like Shauna, mm-hmm. I couldn't have anybody else saying anything. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm going to invest in a wig dryer, you just, that's what we doing. <laughs> and I don't care what anybody else <laughs> around the table has to say. End of story. Um, and, and that's because, like, I understood that I was, I'm playing in a space where there are other investors who don't necessarily always have the cultural competency okay. around some of the companies, or even the vision mm-hmm. around some of the companies that we see. So uh, I'd like to take real chances on founders. You know, I'm a risk taker. That's what VC is about.
0: So how did you, because you're new, right? And a lot of VCs like to be in business with other VCs that are established. So how did you get other VCs to want to be on board with the, with the companies that you were investing in?
1: So I'm new as a fund. Uh-huh. But I'm not new to venture. Gotcha. Okay. Ecosystem, right? so, yep. so I started my first company in 2010, came out to the valley in 2012 and so that's when i got my like my initial network and then i started working for the investment of the state of of maryland in 2016 okay so when i started my fund like i had a bit of a name presence already and then like the twitter thing definitely helped so let's pivot a
0: little bit and talk about that twitter personal brand that you built what were some of the things that you were putting out to attract these lps to be interested in your your fund
1: I wasn't putting out anything for the LPs.
0: Oh, you were just putting out stuff, and then they just came to you? Like, tell us more about
1: that. The content I was putting out mainly at that time was information to help founders better understand venture happening. Mm-hmm. And then as I started raising my fund, I started putting out content to help other emerging managers understand the process. So most of my content's always been about being helpful. So I've always led with being helpful first, and it just so happened that people gravitated to that content. Right. It wasn't like I was trying to put out any crazy thesis or tell people this is the next direction of venture. Like, no, I was trying to help people understand what venture was about. And what I've learned is when you lead with helping others, people see that and they gravitate to that.
0: That's so interesting. So were there, uh, did you have viral posts that went viral that people kind of gravitated to? Or was it like just a slow drip and eventually you had this like massive number?
1: There were some viral posts. Like uh, I have a post that like every few months I start to see recirculating about um, the top 15 things I look for in a pitch deck. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then okay. the top 15 mistakes I see. Um, but like, it's one of those things where like every now and then I'll do a long person. like, oh, I'm gonna kill him with this. This one's going to go viral. and be like <laughs> Don't do eight people. And then it'd be like a throwaway. Like, yo, I just had my fifth meeting and I need to use the bathroom so bad, but I forgot to put a, yeah. I forgot to put a break in my day. And like that one will go viral. I'll be like, that was a throwaway. I wasn't even trying to do enough. So like, you never know. It's just more about being consistent, like always consistently putting out content and you'll, and it'll start to build.
0: So this is interesting because I started recognizing you when you got on Clubhouse, right? So I didn't see the Twitter expansion, but I saw the Clubhouse expansion. So how did you leverage Clubhouse to help you?
1: Clubhouse is weird because Clubhouse was like an extension of Twitter. Mm -hmm. So like... I would get on clubhouse and then people would, like connect with me on Twitter or reach out to me on Instagram. But it's because I gotten popular on Twitter that people started inviting me to these clubhouses and like Baron days be like, yo, get in this clubhouse. It'd be like, all right, I'm in here. And the E40 start talking. I'm like, yo, what am I doing here? <laughs> like, like, like this. Okay, cool. And then I have like an Olympic sprinter reach out to me like, Hey, I need a business coach. Can you talk to me? But like, sure. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not really a business coach, but I can help you. And, and Today so, like, I'm a business coach. <laughs> exactly. But like the, the, the clubhouse was just more of, it's more of like, a, it became part of a content strategy. Right? Know, like, that's that's all Twitter is, TikTok, clubhouse, you know, what other spaces, they're just content strategies that can feed into each other, right? So, the clubhouse thing was like, I'd do a, I do, we were doing like a certain clubhouse once a week, my Twitter things every day. And then, like, when I had long form stuff, I would do like a medium post like once a quarter or something like that. Okay. And it all kind of fed into like a true content strategy of just building the brand.
0: That's so interesting. So, how much was the fund ultimately that you raised? 10 million. $10 million. So with all of those LPs, $10 million, do you feel like now it's easier to raise your second fund? No. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Tell I, us I would say the struggle. It's easier in the fact that more people know me and I have yeah. some name presence and I have more of a track record. It's not easier in the fact that It's twenty twenty three, the mark is tanking. Yeah. It's tough for everybody. Yeah. Right. And and still I've only got fund one under my belt. I'm still an emerging manager. I'm gonna be an emerging manager until I get past the fund three. Yep. So until then, this is it is what it is. And then also like again like i invest in a wig dryer i invested in a restaurant i invested in a device that does braids right like not everybody's going to understand that's
0: true because you have like non-traditional investments tell us about that so tech investments obviously if you're in silicon valley you can basically drop an ai anything and people are like what is it so for you having to explain that to people how do you get them excited
1: I can, I can evaluate a business with the best of them. Okay. That's not what's special about what I do. I'm a talent evaluator. Uh, I find. The jackie, not the horse. I find amazing talent. Yeah. So like, I don't necessarily care what you're building. As long as it's in a market that can support a billion dollar exit, that's all I need. Mm -hmm. After that, I want to know who you are and why this is important to you. And do you have, and are you flexible in your way of thinking? Right. Because what I know is I invest in companies so early that within three years of my investment, the company's probably going to be something different. Right. Yeah, that's very true. I can't focus so much on the business, but I can focus a lot on the founder. Right. Um, I'll give you an example. There's a company out of Memphis, Tennessee, Blank Beauty. They have a device that makes custom nail polish any color within 90 seconds, like a vending machine. Right. Hmm. One thing about this founder that I thought was special is when you look at the the nail polish industry or the the beauty shop industry, it's like 80 percent of them are owned by Vietnamese. Right. Well, here's the thing. When you go to purchase nail polish, you can buy it in bulk at a discount, but you need to have uh, light. You need to be licensed. Mm-hmm. Well, to be licensed, you have to be an American citizen. OK. So if you're not an American citizen, that means you're buying at cost. Ooh, yeah. That's number one. Number two is none of the nail polish brands have their websites translating Vietnamese. Mm. And so he's like, yo, I'm getting a Vietnamese li- liaison to, to go talk to these shops and I'm going to make a Vietnamese version of my, of my website just to help them. Okay. And I'm like, that's a founder leading with some EQ. Right. You don't see that every day. Got it. All right, Charles, I see you. That's that's something (laughs) different. I'm on the ride with that.
0: I love that. Okay, so we are live at TechCrunch Disrupt. Yes. Why do you think founders or investors need to be here?
1: This is where everybody is. Like, founders need to be here because investors are here. Investors need to be here because this is where founders are. I mean, look, when I was a founder, the first TechCrunch Disrupt I ever went to was in 2012. I was flat broke, had no money, but had a whole bunch of hustle. So I broke in. (laughs) So I snuck in
0: and I had to hang out.
1: You literally broke in. (laughs) I literally broke in. I got featured on two podcasts (laughs) and actually ended up getting investment. Wow. You're a hustler. You're like the the media hustler. I love it. I love it. I mean, it was just, it was like the land of milk and honey. This is where everything happens. This is where it's all at. And like when you're here today, you see it. All my venture friends are here. Yeah, there's all these amazing startups, and it's not just AI. You got people talking about satellite communication. You know, all in the startup battlefield. Like this is where you want to be. Yeah, and also like I know as a founder, it's tough, right? It's 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 expensive, it's hard, but you need to create. uh, You need to create space for serendipity.
0: Do you think it's different now that you're here as a brand versus when you were here before?
1: Yeah, because when I came before, nobody knew me. So nobody here <laughs> who I was. Now,
0: I can barely go 10 steps without somebody saying what's up. Yeah. So how important do you think it is to build your personal brand?
1: I think it's very important. But I don't think you need to be as front-facing as I am.
0: Right? Mm-hmm.
1: When you're thinking about building your brand, like especially as a founder, it's really more about thought leadership. You want people to know that you have a certain viewpoint that is unique and different to you that's going to be the reason that's going to make you successful okay but there's a lot of ways you can do that you can do that by speaking on stages you can do that by doing long form posts you can do that by putting out an incredible white paper that's very specific to your industry because all you really need is the the people in your industry to know you now if you want to do like the next big consumer brand it might it might behoove you to be on tiktok or twitter and for people to see who you are like think about this elon musk for all his whatever he is well known. And so when he shows up into a room, people want to be around him just because he's well known. When I show up into a room, I may be the investor with the smallest fund, but I'm going to be the investor that the most founders want to come yeah. to because they see me. And I have to point to him like, no, nah, dude beside me has way more money than <laughs> There's a go. billionaire over there. <laughs> Don't talk to him. Don't talk <laughs> to me. That woman over there, she, she's she got a much bigger fund. And people are like, yo, Mac, you're so cool. And they just think I'm cool because I'm recognized. I
0: love that. So give. LPs, emerging fund managers, founders, entrepreneurs, tips on how they should give us five tips on how they should grow their personal brand.
1: All right, I'll give you three. Okay. If you want to grow your personal brand, lead with information and being helpful. Yeah. Because that's what people come for. Two, share a little bit about yourself. Mm. Like, you know, I share stuff about my dog, my cooking, right? That's because, like, you're human. Yeah. Third is, every now and then, share a vulnerability, because so That makes you real, and that leaves people with a feeling. People come for the information, but they'll stay for the feeling.
0: Oh, that's a bar. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Mac. We are live at TechCrunch Disrupt. Thank you for being here, and tell people how they can find
1: you. You can find me on Twitter, at MacConwell, and uh, hope to see you at TechCrunch Disrupt next year, and thank you for the time, Sequoia. Awesome.